Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking EV apathy, tax penalties, and inflation is your fault. Personal over there is inflation my fault or is it our fault? Collectively, to Andy in Utah, Suzanne in Wisconsin, <laughs> just a few specific people. It's your fault. These are how to money listeners that you're singling that's, out. That's right. Not cool. Uh, no, this is our Friday flight. We're going to talk about the most important personal finance stories that we've come across this week. The ones that we think that you need to pay attention to. But oh, so speaking of individual listeners, man, let's give a quick shout out to Rihanna. She sent us some macarons the uh the little french how you pronounce it macaron the french president not the not macaroons which are like the um coconut cookie things or whatever no you know like the the nice little french cookies incredibly well made. she is a phenomenal baker sent us some beers but also included some of her her handiwork this time of year it's like so to get a baked gift in the mail feels like the greatest little thing in the world so the it include like an irish car bomb peanut butter and jelly a cookies and cream version you've tried all of them at this point they were all delicious which do you have a favorite um uh, probably the the car bomb version that she made. Oh yeah, but I, I don't know the cookies and creams. They were all so good. Oh, I like the PB and J. That was good too. I'm kind of a basic <laughs> child at heart. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought they were awesome. Anyway, give Does her. She have a chicken nugget version. <laughs> chicken nuggies. Uh, she's on Instagram at Baker underscore R H I underscore L A N C. Give her a follow. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes. But. Uh, yeah, big thanks to Reef for sending that our way. They were delicious. We really appreciate it. I'm still it. snacking on them. Every day I eat one before I hop on the bike 
and go home. Yeah, I in my I mind, shared I'm mine like, with my family. You chose not to. <laughs> We've got I like, told my kids that, and they were like, that doesn't sound like Mr. Matt. And I, I was like, love I to share with my family, but simultaneously, we, we have lots of sweets and stuff at home, and they're not going to appreciate it as much as I do. They're just going <laughs> to see a bunch of sweets, whereas I know that this is a listener, and we've answered her uh, question on the show like I feel like we've got a connection you're connected to these sweets yes and they're also my fuel and it powers me <laughs> on my way home we'll uh, we'll share a, a picture of some of her handiwork yeah. uh, up on our Instagram account for sure sounds good but Matt before uh, we, we get to the Friday flight I want to ask you one question I during the, yes. the Black Friday deals I bought almost nothing but one thing I did purchase was a subscription to Hulu because it was 99 cents a month for 12 months it was a heck of a deal that's, yeah. re- that's crazy cheap that. even if we watch two things on there it'll have paid for itself but then on top of that, uh, they, there was you could add on Disney Plus for two dollars a month, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, our Disney Plus subscription is ending. Let me take the deal on Disney Plus too. Two bucks a year. That's twenty four bucks for the whole year. Not too bad to get both those services, right? But <laughs> the last Disney Plus plan we had was commercial free, uh, and this one yeah. has commercials. And so the, the kids are revolting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question for you is: was was that frugal? Uh, Cheap Did you or Grinchy, maybe. <laughs> Did you know that it included the ads? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you willingly entered into this tra- this agreement. Yeah, because the savings them. were steep. Man, I am so conflicted when it comes to advertisements, especially when it, with kids, because like as adults, we are a little more immune to the impact that ads can have on us. Like I'm not. Or at gonna, least we think we are. I don't know. I, I view myself slightly more advanced and uh, <laughs> mature than my children when it comes to advertisements being placed. You're, in front you're of like me. The, the Dwight Schrute of how to money. We'd say. So I guess it's worth giving it a shot. What's difficult is that they have experienced a taste of like the good life. Yep. And now you've walked it back. Whereas had they never experienced it to begin with, I think they would be totally fine. Say you know being exposed to ads and having their shows delayed. That T- kind of tough thing. to put the genie back in the bottle, but yes. I'm trying to do it. Anytime you are exposed to some sort of luxury or convenience, it is difficult to, to kind of walk those things back. But I hear you though when it comes to kids. It makes me think about our uh, brakes on our van have been squealing, and recently the kids were like. Can you do something about that? Because when you, when you pull up to pick us up, it squeaks and they're getting embarrassed. <laughs> and so I guess this is a larger question about when do we choose to make purchases or spend extra money to save, you know, just to make our kids feel better, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I'm sure it, it depends on the individual. It depends on the kid. depends on uh, just how you do I that. I told them if they keep complaining, they're sleeping outside. So and it's getting cold. Uh, they don't want to do that. But. No, I mean, I think they'll they'll get over it, and you know, and your kids will get over those ads. Significant <laughs> chunk of change that we saved on that streaming service. So, I was glad I, glad I did it, even if they're giving me crap for it. Uh, but Matt, let's move on. Let's get to the Friday flight. It's a quick let's sampling of stories we found interesting this week that pertain to your personal finances. And uh, I don't know about you, Matt. Have you put up your Christmas lights, or do you have do you have Christmas lights? No, this year? we don't have any. We no don't have Christmas. Lights. We just have the like the greenery with a red bow okay. under each window. Going tasteful, low key. Low key. Yeah. Well. I, although I do want to get lights, because you see lights, and if a uh, house is done up real well at night, of course you can see it. You can't see the regular decorations. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a fan of lights. We didn't put them up last year because we had just moved in not too long before, but this year we were like, we got to do it. You got your, yeah, your red lights up. They look really the good. Red, yeah, we look like we're in the red light dis- district in Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, but do not come a calling for that in my house. Uh, but with utility bills on the rise, I think some folks might be wondering, Matt, like how much it's going to cost them to turn on the lights every night. And the truth is, it's it's not very much. I did see the stat, though. Apparently, we use more energy running Christmas lights in the United States 
than El Salvador uses <laughs> to power everything in their country in a given year, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but still, you know, the reality is that turning on your lights is not going to cost you much at all. Uh, especially, I mean, if we're talking LED bulbs at least, right? Yes. It, it used yeah. to be a lot more expensive, but it's become a lot cheaper thanks to LED bulbs, which use like 90% less electricity than traditional bulbs used to. It's significant. So, significant savings. So running five strands of LED bulbs uh, for six hours each day for the month of December will set you back roughly nine dollars that's not bad and it almost matt it almost i I know some people keep up their christmas decorations year round and i used to scoff at that i don't know i'm kind of leaning more into that camp i understand it and i might become one of those people at some point well the problem is is your bulbs are red so you can see them i mean you can see them up on your trim even during the day right yeah okay so if they were i actually leave my lights on during the day even though you 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 can't oh wait talk about uh somebody who's just like seems like he's flush with cash (laughs) over here (laughs) might cost me an extra five bucks no so my favorite part of this article they referenced a study by a power company and they calculated how much it would have cost the griswolds so from uh, lampoon's <laughs> yeah. christmas vacation how much it would have cost them back in the day because of course back then they didn't have led so they were rocking the traditional incandescent bulbs and it was something like seventy five hundred dollars for the month of december ouch that is a ton of money versus if they made a 2023 remake and he used all LED bulbs, it would just be less, it would actually be around $1,500, which is yeah a, a massive savings sure. if you wanted to light up the neighborhood. There's this one house that we always stop at and they've got like tons and tons of lights up. It's in between our house and my parents' house and they, they actually have like a donation box yeah. <laughs> for like electricity <laughs> costs. So yeah, I put a fiber in, in there. Back in the day, it certainly made a ton of sense. Yeah. And we stop by to look at it at least four or five times during the season. So we, we definitely have to pay them a little bit. I love it. Well, Maybe you can maybe we'll turn them, into that house or, someday, or just like show them some coupons where they can upgrade to <laughs> LED bulbs. Which is well, so you got your well, own even sale if they're last using year. LEDs. But if they're spending fifteen hundred bucks, they deserve five yeah, that's, for me. that's true. I guess over the the course of a month. Okay, so since we're talking electricity, let's pivot to electric vehicles because it seems like EVs are falling out of favor with basically everyone. Uh, so government mandates they're trying to spur they're trying to force some ev adoption but consumers in the u.s aren't as on board as say the norwegians My for people. instance yeah they've uh, i think of all the cars that were sold in uh, 2022 88 percent of them were electric vehicles wow. that's like 5x even uh, california gangbusters man yeah. but uh there's a new survey from consumer reports they found that evs aren't as reliable as their internal combustion engine counterparts so maybe that's just one of the reasons why a lot of folks here in the U.S. Uh, aren't taking to them as much as yeah. the, the Norwegians. But the big winner in that latest survey is actually straight-up hybrids. Uh, so folks, they, of course, want to spend less on gas, but they're not completely sold on EVs yet as the solution for them. Makes sense as well because the infrastructure isn't completely there yet. We don't have like the range that maybe folks were hoping for at this point in time. So what should our response be? Well, EVs, they still cost a pretty penny with maybe the exception of the bolts and some of the recent Tesla price cuts. And even though EVs have a bright future, I guess we'd say that they kind of have a murky and expensive present. It's costing a lot of money and some of the problems that folks are going to encounter are, are actually more abundant than uh, yeah folks were expecting. Yeah, the, who who would have thought the lowly Prius uh, kind of would stand out kind of amongst modern car offerings? It's been around a long time, but man, that thing keeps chugging. And for pre- anybody who's owned a Prius knows 
This thing is like a workhorse, right? You know, and all it does is save me money on gasoline. You know, you know their plug-in Priuses as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Prius Prime, maybe, is that what it's called? Yes, yeah. yeah. They've, got, they've got, like, the Prime line, and we've slowly started talking about what it would look like to have a second vehicle. Like, what kind of car vehicle would that yeah. be? And we're thinking, man, it makes sense to get something as small and cheap to run as possible. And when I've discovered that, because I've been lamenting the fact that, they're, that, they, um, that there's only one van manufacturer that makes a plug-in van, and it's a Chrysler. And Chrysler, yeah. I mean, they're like at the bottom of the heap when it comes to reliability. Yeah. So that also gives me pause. For but. sure. Well, yeah, it's uh, these are these are interesting stats. It's 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 noteworthy to mention yeah, these these problems with electric vehicles and that yet they're still being pushed on us and a lot of people are balking. And I drove a Nissan Leaf for 6 years, so I'm not I'm not anti-EV. I kind of there's a lot I like about them, but there's also a lot of potential develop EV development happening with like like let's say Toyota solid state batteries. That could change the yeah. game in a few years so maybe people are also saying wait a second the technology is changing really quickly i don't know that i necessarily want to adopt an electric vehicle right now just yeah maybe let's wait until the range doubles due to those solid state yeah. batteries yeah and, and i mean i think the yeah. lack of maintenance is because their uh, evs are kind of like glorified golf carts that's that's really nice and i think that's a benefit of electric vehicles um but the, yeah these car manufacturers are still figuring things out and they don't have the ev production dialed in at least a lot of them and they certainly don't have profitability dialed in on electric vehicles either that's going to take time but I think it is important to remember that the EV tax incentive is going to be around for years to come. So there's not even a rush to snag one right away, right? But then on the flip side, uh, the, the how dour the EV market is right now offers the potential to score a lower price. And there was this article in Bloomberg about why now is actually the best time to buy an EV. And, and that's because they're kind of stacking up on dealer lots unloved. So I guess the, all that to be said, if you're, if you're not necessarily in the market for an EV, nothing should probably push you over the edge <laughs> into that. But if you are considering one well and you're targeting one of the cheaper models there have been significant uh, sticker price discounts those are becoming the norm not the exception the kona for instance the uh, hyundai kona it's like 31 percent off msrp locally where we are matt and so th- for a while it was like even getting uh, a bolt or a kona for msrp was laughable but now there's significant discounts on a lot of these models yeah so on a related note gas prices have dropped a decent bit over the past few months which is contributing to that all-important inflation number coming down. And that is despite the geopolitical messes that would normally lead to higher prices for Americans at the pump. So just think a war in the Middle East. That would typically have a massive impact on what Mm -hmm. it is that we're paying for our gasoline. Has in the past. Yeah. So why aren't oil and gas prices going up? Well, that's because U.S. oil production... Uh, has actually reached record highs. We're basically a bigger player on the world stage when it comes to the supply of fossil fuels. We've almost basically we've like doubled our production over the past decade, which isn't something that I think a lot no, of folks not many people were predicting. We're familiar with. Yeah. We actually produce more oil now than Saudi Arabia, like almost twice as much. We actually consume less than we produce. So we're certainly excited about the growing impact of green energy technology that's advancing electric vehicles in particular. But fossil fuels are still a necessity, and our growing production is creating a more consumer-friendly market with fewer price shocks. So that's something we can all be thankful for. For sure. Agreed. All right. Uh, on the note of going green and end of year taxes, Matt, we, we should maybe mention that there are still tax credits available for energy efficiency upgrades. We, we did a deep dive on that in episode 656, but now is kind of a time where you might say, wait a second, let me put some insulation in the attic so I can get a tax break before the end of the year and ensure some additional savings. 
through the winter, right, by having that yeah. insulation on hand, curbing your electricity or natural gas usage, right? And so, yeah, there. Like, I actually took advantage of this um, in this fall mount. I put in insulation. I put in a mini split this year. And so, uh, I just want to mention to be get thirty percent off those bad boys. Thirty percent off, man. That's a steep discount. But be sure to read the fine print on energy tax credits because there's a cap on specific projects and there's a maximum tax credit that you can get in a specific year. The the max that you can get in one year is thirty two hundred bucks. So splitting up those projects over the course of multiple years in order to maximize your tax benefit would be wise. Uh, don't And start with the low-hanging fruit too, right? Don't just go, don't go start replacing your windows for much more energy-efficient ones. Windows are one of the more expensive things to replace. Insulation is one of the easy, cheap things. So maybe start there, but eventually you might want to work up to windows. I don't know. Speak for yourself. I'm going to go straight to the uh, small residential wind turbine to, <laughs> <laughs> to create a little little extra juice. Your for neighbors our, will love you. Our household. Uh, okay, since we're talking about taxes, we had good news to offer last week when it came to the IRS, but we got bad news this week. Rising interest rates, they have led to higher penalties if you pay your taxes late, if you underpay specifically your estimates. So two years ago, if you underpaid your taxes, you paid uh, a measly 3% penalty. Not too bad. Not, yeah. But now you're going to be hit with an 8% penalty, <laughs> which is huge. Mostly applies to self-employed individuals, but it could also impact W-2 workers as well, like in particular folks who either started a small business like on the side and they weren't accounting for the income generated there, or if you are 100% working at your nine to five, but maybe you got a big bonus. Mm -hmm. In those instances, there is additional money that the IRS is looking for. Uh, and so the way that you avoid this penalty is by adjusting your withholdings to make sure that you're paying enough tax through the year, specifically if you're a W-2 employee. And then for all the self-employed folks out there, just err on the side of caution, where you're making sure you, that you're, you're paying at least 90% of the tax that you owe for the current year. And if you find that your income has risen substantially as a self-employed person, just reassess your payments without diving into the weeds. If you know you're going to make more this year than last year, you just need to make sure that you're paying 100% of the tax that you owed last year. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, unless you are a single filer and you're making at least $75,000, or if you're married filing jointly and you're making at least $150,000 in those cases, if you're making more this year compared to last year, you want to make sure you're paying 110% of what you paid last year. So pretty straightforward. Yeah. But there is straightforward, an, but also means there's some math involved and you have to pay attention yeah. to the details. Yeah. L luckily, the IRS, they've got a calculator, though, where you can go in there, you can enter in your wages and information from pre previous years to know where you stand. That way, you can make sure that you avoid this pretty big 8% penalty, man. Yeah. It's uh, not not cool. A 3% penalty feels like a slap on the wrist. An 8% penalty feels like a slap in the face. Yeah. And like, I don't <laughs> I don't want the slap in the face. No. I, I want to avoid that. So I'm going to pay Uncle Sam what I owe them uh, in order to yeah, avoid getting, having to pay more money that I don't want to go into their hands. I want to stay in my pocket. So yeah, um, yeah that's really important thing to mention. Thanks for bringing that up. But Matt, we got more to get to on this episode, including uh, that story about inflation being our fault. Is that true? Or is it gaslighting? We'll talk about that right after this. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 
25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it upright. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. All right, dude, we are back, and it is now time for the ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes... My favorite time of the week. Yeah, yeah it's mine, mine as well. The Atlantic is where we got this one. It's quite provocative, and we basically already said the headline, <laughs> <laughs> the name of the uh, article. Inflation is your fault. I think the subhead was, if everyone is so mad about high prices, why do they keep buying expensive things? And, as usual... There's some truth to the claim of this headline. To a certain extent, we have control over the money that we are spending. Yeah, there's a kernel of truth here. Yeah, but it's also incredibly reductionist. Americans aren't very happy about how much prices have risen. Actually, there is a recent poll that found that most folks would rather see prices fall than to see their wages increase. <laughs> but should we actually blame them for these higher prices? Well, 
author Amy Lowry over at the Atlantic. She says that the answer is yes. Uh, but man, like let's be real. Inflation is the result of many factors, like several things uh, coming together that are out of our control. Uh, let's just mention a few. COVID, uh, the stimmy checks, <laughs> supply chain issues, all those snarls, uh, the container ships that were all parked off the coast of California yeah. back in the day, just different wars in other parts of the world. To put inflation at the feet of us consumers who are spending money that was just thrust into our hands, it feels a bit disingenuous. And you said before the break, uh, you called it like gaslighting, but it's not like they're trying to even confuse us about it and like think that we're crazy. It's, it's like victim blaming, yeah. essentially. Like it makes me think about like an analogy would be like if you've got your dog, you know, those retractable leashes. Yeah. yeah they get yeah. like really, really long. Uh -huh. And you're like, why does my dog always like take off running? And they're like 20 feet. Of, well, you got the retractable leash, man. Like, if you had a six-foot leash, then your dog would stay near you. But if you're going to give us as consumers that much leeway, that much slack, well, of course, we're going to explore and see where what all, all the fun things that we can sniff. Especially Americans, <laughs> right? And so I, I completely agree with you, Matt. I think inflation is a result of all of those other things for the most part. But again, there's that kernel of truth, right? And so Annie isn't completely wrong in her assessment here either. And one, sure. one line from her article, she says, people hate inflation, just not enough to spend less. And that... That is spot on too, right? We've talked about how everybody individually experiences inflation and it's relative. So much depends on how you spend money specifically. And so let's say you bought a new car last year, you bought a new house too. Your personal rate of inflation was significantly higher than the generic CPI number, right? Safe to say. Yeah. <laughs> so refusing to pay higher prices is a real way to combat inflation, at least in your own life, right? You can't do that on every single front. And none of us can single-handedly combat inflationary realities altogether, right? Like, But there's also kind of a bit of Captain, Captain Planet in this, right? Where our powers combine help us to achieve <laughs> something that would otherwise be impossible alone. Um, what was the following line after, with our powers combined? We are Captain Planet. I think oh, that's how it goes. That yeah, yeah. I was thinking we can prevent forest fires, but <laughs> that's, that's another, bear, that's yeah. a whole other mascot. <laughs> yeah, I just, I guess I think the more we balk at expensive prices, like flights, concert tickets in particular right now, Grubhub, electric vehicles even, whatever it is, the less we're going to pay for those things in the future, the more those companies are forced to reckon with uh, this new reality. When we kind of walk with our dollars, it matters. And it's not that we can affect this global massive change, but we can affect change in our own lives. And that small drop in the bucket does matter. It makes a difference. So I, don't know, I guess I'm going to give this Atlantic article two and a half stars on the truthiness meter. <laughs> <laughs> on the Stephen Col on the Colbert Report, yeah, truth yeah, in his meter. Exactly. Uh, no, I'm totally with you. And this is kind of makes me like back at the beginning of the episode when we're talking about going back to commercials. It's putting the toothpaste back in the tube. It's putting the cat back in the bag. Once we've experienced the a taste of what it's like to not have to experience those things, it's difficult to walk it back. And as American, like I feel like our country has gotten soft and we avoid doing the hard things. And oftentimes we are willing to spend whatever it takes to achieve the results of those typically hard actions that would otherwise uh, it would have taken. Uh, there's a lot of luxury and comfort now that we're just that we've gotten used to. And man, it's really difficult to dial that back unless you've got not only Joel as your parent, but maybe as president. Who yeah. knows? Dictator. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think once you've lived in a single family home, it's hard to go back to apartment living, you know? Yes. Uh, okay, so there was another interesting headline from Axios last week titled, Why You Shouldn't Give to Charity. But like usual, the internet loves a splashy, contrarian headline without the follow-through. <laughs> the actual heart of this article was quite helpful. It was explaining how many Americans would be better off donating appreciated stock instead of cash. 
And that's totally true. Uh, we'll link to the article explaining the details. They gave a, a great example. But tax savings could be significant. For instance, $1,000 on a donation of $3,000 if you were to donate appreciated stocks instead of money, just straight up cash from your checking or your savings account. We touched on this with Sean uh, on Wednesday. Uh, as far as donating appreciated stocks rather than actual cash. But the fact is, this does benefit a minority of folks. Like more folks are probably working on getting their Roth IRAs fully maxed out. And you can't, like, there's no capital gains when it comes yeah. to Roth IRAs because you pay the tax on the front end. It's like a rich people maneuver. Yeah, but hey, we're talking to the How to Money listeners, man. Over time, more and more folks are going to find themselves saying, oh, I'm going to invest some a little more money in my brokerage account yeah. and the ability to funnel some of those dollars towards charities and then to essentially replace those donated stocks with new purchases of that. ETF mm -hmm. specifically, that is the way to go. Yep. It's not something that we've talked a whole lot about, but it is good to know that that is an option. I do think it's something that we'll talk about more here on the show. At least some How to Money listeners benefit from hearing this information because yep. Yep. They, they qualify because they have money. Their accounts have gone up, especially this year. And if they're saying, oh, I want to give I want to give to my favorite charity, well, maybe it makes sense to give some of those appreciated securities instead of just giving money, writing a check, or, or you know tossing a donation from your savings account. Totally. And, and I would say giving is great, but giving efficiently is even better, right? And so you can even donate those appreciated securities to your donor advised fund, which we've talked about uh, a decent bit here on the show. It's one of the best ways to proceed with your your plans for generosity, in our opinion. And we'll, we'll link to articles about donor advice ones in the show notes that can help you kind of parse through whether or not they make sense for you and how effective they can be. But don't forget, only about 10 to 12% of households itemize deductions. And if you don't itemize your deductions, you don't get a tax benefit from giving money away. And so uh, this is probably, again, Matt, this uh, a higher percentage of how to money listeners uh, qualify for this because of their financial prowess. But we suggest generosity, even if it doesn't come with a tax break. Still, jumping through these these hoops, it's not going to provide you any sort of benefit from Uncle Sam if that's the case. If you are taking the standard deduction, you don't get a tax benefit, it still doesn't mean it's a dumb idea. Exactly. Yeah, we love for folks to give money away because it changes your attitude, it changes your posture towards money, and that's especially helpful for us to do. I mean, money is what we talk about here on the show, and so because of that, I feel like it's extra risk, not risky, but it's something we have to be careful of. Yeah. We've got a dollar sign on our wall oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> over here. So it could be easy when you've got a show that's called How to Money for us to become overly focused on actual dollars. It can have like a tractor beam sort of pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%, man. Okay, so the opposite of giving to charity is spending money like there's no tomorrow while scrolling TikTok. <laughs> that's happening. Uh, TikTok shop only launched in September. And as the LA Times put it, TikTok shop is dangerously good at getting us to spend our money. Uh, we're spending just shy. I'm not going to say we because I'm, I'm not spending my money on TikTok shop. Me Americans. Neither. Me neither. <laughs> that's one good reason to avoid it. Uh, but Americans are spending just shy of $10 million a day now on the site while they're receiving pitches from influencers that they've been following for a while. So what you need to do is keep in mind that your feed is curated. TikTok, they know so much about you. I, honestly, it would be helpful if we had as much information as TikTok does about our loved ones. Uh, oh my gosh. As, I wish we, we had did. the perfect present for I know, them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, man, TikTok knows exactly what to feed me. If only, <laughs> if only we could like... Well, they would if you were on the, <laughs> well, if we yeah, were on the platform. Instagram yeah. does a really good job with it as well. But the fact that they have so much data on us as consumers means that they're incredibly adept at using that data, that information, to pry money from your fingers. Yeah. And it might be a deal, but do you necessarily need to buy that thing? Most likely, no. And sometimes it's not a deal. And 
I will say yeah. the, the creators who are pitching these items are getting a cut, right? And so it might seem like they're just normal folks who live down the street from you. Oh, that's just the kid next door who got this acne medication that's working perfectly for him. <laughs> but maybe he's making 10, 20 grand a month selling this stuff to is, his followers. Is proactive back? Because uh, that was the thing. <laughs> that like, was, I, I mean, I know when, we were teen, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, how do I get my hands on that? So I, I know. Get rid of these blemishes. It was just because the cool celebrities were pitching it. That's why, right? <laughs> were there celebrities? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. I just remember thinking, looks like that stuff works. I think Jessica Simpson's sister was one of them. Oh. She was like, yeah. She the, was the a dark, ce- the dark-haired one. Celebrity in her own right, I guess. But yeah. uh, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to know, right, whether the person you're following, what they're mentioning, is it because they really enjoy, appreciate that thing? Or is it because they're making money by getting you to click and purchase? And I would lean towards the latter in a whole lot of cases. So some of them are making just significant amounts of money from those pitches. TikTok, Matt, to me, feels like the new QVC equivalent. Amazon, too. Amazon's got elements of that as well. What's old is new again. And so it's just updated for the modern age. Just be careful when you're scrolling out there, folks. And less time in general scrolling is going to be better for you for for so many reasons. But particularly from a financial perspective now, given the the number of pitches and the amount of people trying to sell you things, the more you can avoid the gauntlet, (laughs) the the arena that's trying to sell you stuff all the time, the better off you're going to be. I get it. Yeah. And what you said, too, about limiting your your time, that's something I've actually done recently like a few weeks ago i finally navigated through the settings and instituted uh, a screen time limit specifically on instagram because that's my social media app of choice i guess and after 15 minutes of use during that day the little screen pops up and just tells me hey your time's up i love it it's freaking awesome could you go in there and override yourself oh yeah like it it tells you you're like right there like your time is up and you but you have enough discipline to avoid that yeah well because (laughs) i know that at some point i said okay it seems like if I'm on social media more than 15 minutes catching up on all my story, you know, all the, all my feeds or whatever, that that's just stupid. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. And you know what it what it has done? It has caused me to we're talking about curation, but it's caused me to cut the different folks I, I keep up with because so you can see the the stuff that you actually care about. Yeah. It keeps it it keeps I it lean. You stopped following me the other day. That's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really post anything. You though, post so. nonstop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the the less you post, the more likely I am to actually. Yeah. Hang, I post once a year. So you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so essentially the the battle for our dollars. That's kind of what we're talking about here with social media and them trying to pitch stuff to us. It only reinforces the need for financial literacy in our country. And the good news is that more states are requiring a financial literacy class in high school. And what that means is the number of students who will be required to learn about personal finance before graduation is going to skyrocket over the next few years. New research shows just how effective these classes can be, improving credit scores, lowering loan delinquency rates, uh, avoiding predatory financial products like payday loans, stuff like that. And one class in high school, it's not likely going to create a bunch of uh, personal finance Einsteins, (laughs) but it's at least an important step in the right direction. On one hand, I wish that these classes were necessary because truly when it comes to personal finance, it can be summed up in like a one, like one sentence, spend less money than you make and invest the rest. That, that would be your class. And then you'd let the kids like play on their laptops. Like, All right, y'all just party. <laughs> but, but it's not like 1945 anymore, right? Like there are more, like we live in a more complex technical world. And like we were just talking about with social media, there are so many different ways where it feels like we're getting almost like tricked into spending our money or uh, led in a direction to not invest in the most optimal way. I'm thinking yeah. of uh, Robinhood a few years ago. Now, yeah, they offer IRAs, yeah. but they didn't used to. Or even just go into some financial advisors who will massively overcharge you. And so, yeah, there, yeah there, there's, there's like, an, yeah, there's a reason we've done 750 plus episodes because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. On there's the, a lot of nuance on the money. It front, turns yeah. out. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give a little hot take here, Matt. I think you're going to probably disagree with me. If you had to ditch 
any one high school class. In order to incorporate personal finance Ooh. classes, what would it be? My answer is Latin. It's a dead language. Let's get rid of it altogether. <laughs> Let's bury it. Let's be done with it. Of course, I'm going to disagree with you with Latin being the mother of all languages, Joel, yeah. as someone who took Latin not only in high school, but so also you, in college. You're going to ask French then? What are you going to do? <laughs> I would ask the most... Honestly, probably the classes that the kids are most excited about, like more the computer uh, computer oh. science classes. The reason being is because whatever they're learning is probably going to be completely out of date by the time they even graduate yeah. with how quickly technology is is, inv- is advancing. And when it comes to, man, I'm going to get so much hate from, <laughs> from other programmers out there. But just look at what AI is doing when it comes to uh, when it comes to coding. I think there is a foundation of computer science, perhaps that's important. But when it comes to maybe things that seem a little more current within the computer science space probably not as necessary in elementary school or i guess we're talking about high school like middle and high yeah Uh, i feel like perhaps those might might get cut i don't know well and when you think about it personal finance something we use i'm not taking a hard stand on that right folks (laughs) (laughs) something we use every day send your hate mail to matt uh it's something you use every day and some of these other things you you definitely don't. Uh, sure. That's for sure. But I'm glad to see progress in this regard. I'm glad to see more more folks, more students being required to do this. I mean, this needs to be nationwide, all 50 states, hopefully sooner rather than later. But Matt, before we get out of here, we got to give a newsletter referral shout out to Stacy. If you give oh, heck yeah. three, uh, if you refer to the How to Money newsletter to three friends, you get a shout out here. And then if you keep going, there are other benefits that you can incur, like free How to Money swag, our delightful socks, just... Stacey, keep going. You'll get there. Uh, but yeah, thank you for referring your friends to the How to Money newsletter. We appreciate we it. We might even like lower the threshold because I feel I feel we like might need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The socks. I don't want it to feel so unattainable and so out of reach that folks are just like, I'm never going to be able to get some socks. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll make sure to let folks know. Let, let y'all know if we do change lower that bar, lower yeah. that threshold. And if you're not signed up for the How to Money newsletter, what are you doing? It's amazing. HowToMoney.com/newsletter. It's wonderful. Every Tuesday morning, you can expect to find it there in your inbox. But dude, that's going to be it for this episode. We hope everyone has. Has a fantastic weekend. And until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.